Maybe you should go and do some contemplating. Hi, I'm Rachel McElroy. Hi, I'm Griffin McElroy. Hey, I'm Jeff McElroy. Hi, I'm Susan McElroy. Hi, I'm Taylor McElroy. What you don't see right now is that Griffin has a series of ventriloquist dummies. Uh, he's given Jeff Dunham don't a real the next part. run for his money. You gotta say the next part. This is Rose Buddies. Because it's hometowns, people, and this is our family. Jeff, Taylor, Susan. I think I said Nicole. Griffin, everyone that listens to this show knows who your family is. They don't know about my Texas family. Watch Friday Night Lights sometime. You'll learn. When you live in Texas, you have a state, they assign you a state exclusive family. That's right. (laughs) Taylor, I love you, Taylor. You're my Texas brother. Rachel, you seem quiet tonight. That's Susan talking to you now. Say something to Susan! You're being so rude. <laughs> People are going to ask me when I knew Griffin was falling apart, and I'm going to play this episode back for Oh, them. you think? This is it? <laughs> this is it right here. This is the moment? Uh-huh. I, yeah. Listen, we're all under a lot of duress right now. Do you feel a lot of pressure when we start episodes to, like, come in with, like, something No, dude. I just, let it, fun? I just let it fucking rip. That's the way to do it. That's right. I was in an improv troupe for 16 years. I forget which one that was. See, the secret is you're supposed to say <laughs> yes and. So, like, I thought you might, hey, who's that family member you got sitting over there? I don't know that I've met that particular Texas member of our family before. Who is that, Rachel? Say their name and their voice now. This is Julie Taylor. Okay, well, now you're just doing a Friday Night Lights character, which we can do that. We can turn this in. We can role play this shit. Now, Riggins, cut it out. <laughs> Wait. I'm Coach Eric Taylor. Cut oh, it out. that's a terrible Eric Taylor. Come on. Let me hear your fucking Eric Taylor then, Master Impression Smith. Mine didn't claim to be one. Okay. You're just ragging on me. Your Julie Taylor was perfect. It, I didn't say it anything was about it. perfect, yes. Um, This is Rose Buddies. It's a podcast where we talk. Well, it's a podcast where we don't support each other comedically. <laughs> um, but it's also when we're not. Um, not supporting each other uh, comedically. We also talk about the Bachelor and Bachelor family of products like the Bachelorette Canada. Uh, and we are into the final stretch, folks. And I think I'm feeling a little bit punchy because we just watched the Hometowns episode and it had uh, the dumbest ending, like the dumbest last 45 seconds imaginable. Yeah, that was real weird. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that. Otherwise, good episode. Good Hometowns. We're kind of in the meat and the, meat and the potatoes, you know, kind of kind of making the sausage now. I um we're making the meat meat and potato sausage. I uh I've talked about this before but I love hometowns. It's like one of my favorite things about this whole franchise. Uh so I was really looking forward to tonight. Yes. And I don't I wouldn't say that I was disappointed. No, I think it was not. I mean, one of the hometowns, this is always the case. There's always an outlier, right? Like one of the hometowns was lit. Like one of these moms mommed so fucking hard. I was like losing it, but usually at hometowns we have four fans. This time there's only three, and so we didn't get the wide poo-poo platter, the wide cornucopia of of delights. Um, we got three fairly straightforward hometown dates. 
Although I will say the date parts of it were like some of the best date parts we've ever seen. It was no, there were, there was no like, I want to take you to my old high school football stadium and then you're going to sit perfectly fucking still. Well, we did go to a football field though. I take it back. We did actually do <laughs> literally that. Well, never mind. And drive around a home. I think I was just so enamored by Mikel's. So let's start there because he was number one Mikkel. up at the play. Oh, Mikel. I, I told, I leaned over to Rachel and I explained, I am now shipping Mikel and Jasmine harder than I have ever. Shipped two characters, fictional or reality. Harder than Emily and Jeff with one F? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm fucking tender right now. I've like, a, I've clank, clank, clank. That was the sound of my armor falling to the floor. I'm naked right now and I'm ready. Please be gentle. Are you talking to me or Mikkel? Whichever one, whichever or one. Jasmine. Oh, whoever you want it to have been said for. <laughs> Uh, so we are in Mikkel's hometown of Newmarket, Ontario, and he is meeting Jasmine in a park, and he shows up on a motorcycle. This is good. This is a fantasy I didn't know I had. Yeah. Didn't know Mikkel was a leather daddy, but <laughs> here he comes on that hog, and Jasmine's feeling it. And I don't know that much about, do you know that much about hog life? I don't. I thought I did. Because I grew up in West Virginia. I feel like there's a lot of hog life there. Yeah. Did you know somebody with a um, a hog? Um, our friend Jason, you know Jason. Yeah. Um, he leased a motor scooter that he never made any payments on. So they did repossess it. Um, but for a while there, he let us all drive around on it. Just, one time, Justin drove so slow on it that he fell over, and it was the hardest I've maybe ever laughed <laughs> in my whole life, because he was screaming the Knight Rider theme song. <laughs> I've mentioned this probably on every podcast I've ever done. Yeah. It is such a be- Imagine Justin going 0.05 miles an hour and just slowly toppling over while screaming the Knight Rider theme. Yeah. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's shit. Yeah. Um, so that's about as close to hog life as I ever got. I think I've probably been... I, you know I've been on ATVs and shit. I don't know if I've ever been on like a, a hog a hog journey. I have not, actually, either. Seems unsafe. Well, yeah, for sure. And I know there's probably some hog hog lovers out there who like, no, nah, dude, no, nah. um, that's fine, no, no, no shade. Uh, but I, it's not. I don't think it's the life for me. But Mikkel is working it. But I was saying, I don't think I know that much about about hog life because he makes such a big deal out of like, I've never let another person on the back of my beautiful hog. Yeah, before. not just I've never let, but I've never wanted another person. I've never even wanted a hog buddy. Yeah. But here you are straddling <laughs> me. Betwixt my hog, and I love, and I love, I love you. Like I've never felt this way about uh, somebody to share my hog. Yeah, it kind of went against type for Mikkel because I think we always got the sense that Mikkel, if he was going to transport himself somewhere, helicopter, helicopter one, or 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 like a sensible, fuel efficient, like you know, four door sedan, a, 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 Fiat, a Ford Fiesta. Something like that. A Kia Soul. <laughs> he seems like a Kia Soul driver, right? Mm-hmm. The big cube, cube-shaped boys. Sure. But I see him pull up on this hog, and I'm like, Leather Daddy Mikkel, I didn't know. But now I know. Mm-hmm. And she knows, and he knows, because he wants her on this hog all day. Yeah, she's real into it. Uh, they're both wearing leather jackets, and it's uh, it's real cute. He says, I think she looks sexy as fuck in that leather jacket, and they beep it out. He says something with a swear in it. Maybe he says she looks fucking sexy in a leather jacket. It's like, these two, the heat, the passion. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they do a lot of smooching. They do a lot of smooching. She says, I just want to hug him and smooch his face all over. These two, I think, you know the term hog wild? I think it is derived <laughs> from this. I think it's a real thing. Uh, so they go to a drive-in, which is apparently a very significant drive-in to Mikel. It's where he goes to think, uh, and it's been a, a big place for him his whole life. He delivers this fact in, like, such an earnest way that I just adored, where he, like, explained, like... He'd, my... like, sneak out of his parents' house. Yeah, because he explained, like, when I was younger, there was so much pressure on me, like, to be something. And he, he I feel like he talked about this earlier, because he said, like, his sister's a doctor, and, like, there was a lot of... Uh, like pressure on him when he was younger. And so he says, like, w- whenever it would get too much, I would just sneak out at night and I would push my car down the driveway and come to the drive-in movie theater. It's like, wow, that is the most, like, well, I mean, it's like the no- most 1950s thing ever, but like, it's, yeah. it's very, very endearing. Yeah. We should go back. We haven't been to the drive-in in forever. We have not. There's a drive-in here in Austin that is fucking great. Well, it's been too hot to want to sit. It's been so hot forever. Yeah. In your car. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which we should point out, motorcycle in a drive-in is a weird. They they had a picnic table with uh, champagne set up for him, and he was the only one of three boys to, that didn't make a champagne oopsie. So well done, I guess. Well, that we saw on camera, there definitely was champagne in the shot. No, yes, uh, I'm saying he didn't he didn't spill champagne champagne on himself, um, which was commendable. But like, yeah, you. I think you bring a car to a drive-in, right? So you can get in the back and just like neck. Well, to be fair, there was no movie being shown. That's also like it was not business what hours. Sh- what could they have shown? What could they have shown? Oh, a W Network original. Yes. What is it? What would the W Network original that they were going to show was going to be? Like Love It or List It. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I thought you were going to think of like a Canadian-based Lifetime drama, like. Oh. Uh, yeah. Like on the on the rink of love, but it's like a a hockey rink. That's pretty good. It's not. <laughs> uh, and so they they sit there and they talk. And Mikkel has told us that he's in love with her and wants to tell her. And it kind of seems like he's gonna chicken out. But then they're getting ready to go, and she's back on the bike. And then he decides to tell. You her. can't not see Jasmine on that bike on that beautiful metal machine and not say the damn thing yeah uh so he he says that um that he's in love with her i didn't write down the exact words um i don't think he did it the bad way which is to say i am in love i am falling in love with yeah did he say falling or he say just in love Gosh, I, I wish can't I remember. Take shit. better notes. Because we, we we decided while we were watching, like we need to talk about on the podcast the semantic distinction, and it sounds so silly, but I, honest to God, feel like for deciphering this show, it is so important the gulf between I'm falling in love with you and I'm in love with you. Here's the thing: I totally get it because, um, you know that she's not going to say it back, right? And there's something hedging your bets a little about saying, I'm falling in love with you. But the fewer, the fewer, um, the less wiggle room you allow in that statement, I feel like the more easy it is to predict that that person's going to be the winner. The person with the fewer deflections, I, I, and like by deflections, I mean like, I am in love with you. Saying it like that is crazy. I am in love with you. 
And saying like falling, I'm falling in love with you is like an action, which is to say like it is not complete yet, but it will get there. And again, this sounds so stupid, but like when you're talking about this show and you're talking about like who's quote unquote winning this show, if you want to try and figure out who is doing that, like I feel like this is an important, it's an important distinction. So the people who are just like, I'm in love with you. That's the, that's. I don't know that that's true though, right? Because some people play it kind of cool. Yeah. And at that point, the bachelor bachelorette is so desperate for the affirmation that getting the I'm falling in love with you is sometimes like just enough. And like maybe just, early on, but yeah. not this, not we're in final three territory. Um, and Mike doesn't say it until like the end of the episode. I, I don't, I, I get what you're saying, but like, it's, I mostly just wanted to point out, like, there are so many wonderful ways to say you're in love with somebody, <laughs> and this show has introduced all of them to us. And yeah, I am, because I, I point this out because Jasmine then says in a, like, behind the scenes interview, she says, I am falling in love with Mikkel. And it's like, oh, you did two deflections there. Um, which is like, still though, for the bachelor, bachelorette to say anything is like crazy. Um, although not in the last two seasons of the show where it's just like, Everybody tells everybody they're in love with each other nonstop. And it's just like the words don't fucking mean anything. It's just quick drama girl. How many people can you say I love you to? How quickly? Is Bachelorette Canada shorter or does it just feel it shorter? It is uh, one hour, six minutes without commercials. No, I mean the length of time. Oh, I, I mean, the number of episodes is certainly shorter. Yeah. Like there's something to me that's like a little more reasonable if you cut three or four weeks out, which is, seems like that's what they do, then I'm falling in that love with fair, you. That is fair, yeah. If I mean, on a season of Bachelor Bachelorette, we'd be at like probably final eight, maybe six at this point. And that is probably around the time where people start saying it. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I just like, I don't know how long it's been. I think we've had eight episodes now. Yeah, this is the eighth episode. Yeah. So I don't know how many weeks that means, but probably not a lot. Anyway, we kibitz, but he says, I, I, I don't know what he says, but he says something about loving her. Yeah. And, and he, he definitely commits to it. Yeah. He leans in. Um, and he also says some really nice stuff about like when we go to meet my parents, like I'm going to be there for you during that. If you need me to stand next to you or hold your hand, you know, just let me know. Like I'm, I'm there for you during this. In terms of actionable stuff, that's probably like if I was the bachelor or bachelorette, that is what I would want to hear. Because this is stressful as fuck. And it just has somebody be like, whatever you need to get through this afternoon with my family, just let me know. Yeah. That's good stuff. He's I a know, sweet boy. I really appreciated that. Uh, and so they go and they meet Mikkel's mom, dad, uh, his sister and her husband, and their baby. And Mikkel's whole family is adorable. So good. They're just all like very, very nice. Her mom, his mom is like, we've... I, I got some Indian food because I thought that you might like seeing what... And Mikkel's like, it's because we're Indian. You can say it. (laughs) Yeah. But she's like, but I also got brisket for you, which is like (laughs) also very, very uh, good and sweet. Yeah. It's unlike hometowns in the American version where it seems almost always catered. Yeah. Okay. It just seems like there's a table out with a bunch of food and the parents don't really take ownership of the food that's in front of them. But in this case, it felt like, oh, they really, they really put it together. Mikkel's you know? dad's first reaction was so bizarre because he was like, my first reaction to Jasmine is, I love blondes. And it's like, <laughs> whoa, dog. 
Um, yeah, he was he was a character. Yeah, and uh, his sister uh, was really sweet. She's only fourteen months older than him. That's a lot, yeah. Which is wild. And we got some good baby pictures of Mikel and his sister. Yeah, these are these are the cutest kids. Um. Oh, and Mikel's sister calls him Mick, which is I don't. I think that's one of those nicknames that just comes out of you say your family's name so, so, so often that you just look for the most efficient way to get through it. Because he does not strike me as a Mick. Mm-mm. No. The Micks I know are like Mick Jagger. Mick Foley. One more. Mick Jagger. <laughs> that's all. I can only think of two Micks. Yeah, no, I, that's why I asked you for a third. Um, so his dad has some hesitation. Not, yeah. not, and I would say like on the parental hesitation scale of hometowns, it's like a three out of ten. Well, yeah, it has nothing to do with Jasmine. It has nothing to do with like him being skeptical of the whole process. It's more like he's pushing Mikel to say like, how do you know? Like, yeah. how do you know you, that this is the Mikhail person. gets really defensive. And he's he like, does, how, did you, yeah. how did you know with Ma? Like, yo, dog, chill. <laughs> yeah. That's your dad's. Calm yeah. down. And so, yeah, it's it's sold as this kind of like, oh, my dad's skeptical. But, like, I didn't find it that No, insane. God. Because at this point, I wanted to sit, like, Bachelorette Canada down and be like, listen, we've seen some uh, bad hometown dates. This is not. This is nothing. This is a joke. Yeah. This is a good hometown date. You may be trying to position it as something else, but like, we were all there for Desiree's family. Like, we know how how deep this this oubliette goes. It gets dark down there. Who was the other one that you pointed out? Who was like? Oh, Claire's sister. Claire's sister. We were there for that Bachelorette Canada. Okay, <laughs> that was a tour of duty that me and Rachel survived together. And I say survive because we would have died without each other during watching that episode. Well, and don't forget um, JoJo's brothers. JoJo's brothers and JoJo's mom was all time. Yeah, she was a she was a salve for JoJo's <laughs> brothers who were coming at me, Griffin, outside of the television so hard. Yeah, JoJo's mom was just like, "I'm here for you, Griffin. I'm going to help you get past these rotten boys." Nobody was there for me for Claire's sister, though, except for you. Nobody was there for me for Desiree's brother, except for you. This this is what was in our wedding vows, by the way. You helped me get through Des's <laughs> brother. You helped me get through Claire's sister. JoJo's mom was there for me for JoJo's brother, so I was fine there, but thank you. And then and then we exchanged And then rings. I said, I am, I am falling <laughs> in love with you. And I said, thank you. And she said, thanks. <laughs> and we've been together ever since. Uh, so the mom and the sister really like Jasmine. They think she's really cute and sweet. And Jasmine tells them the story of the little necklace that Mikel made. And they're really touched by it. And they say, like, they seem to act like, oh, that's so Mikel. Yeah. Um, and. Did he say that it looked like he made it in prison? Yeah. Fuck. Because <laughs> he was telling his mom, he was like, she didn't tell you about the necklace, did she? And she was like, yeah. He's like, it looked like I made it in prison. <laughs> That's good. Um, 
And so the mom and Mikkel sit down and the mom says, you know, I have, I have confidence in you. Um, and it seems like you and, and Jasmine have similar priorities. And yeah, and she says she was really touched that Jasmine shared the necklace story. She also extended him a line of credit that very few parents on hometowns ever do, which is like, I don't know her, obviously, but I trust you and your judgment. So like, I'll get to know her. Yeah. It's like that, ne- that like, sometimes you get the like, no, fuck this. I don't know or get out of here or the, we love her so much. And both of those seem like, well, I mean, one of them obviously seems more like horseshit than the other. But the, the logic of like, yeah, I trust you got a good head on your shoulders. Well, I think a lot of times too, parents during hometowns feel kind of performative. Like I'm on camera. I can't be too on board with this. So I'm going to like make sure that it's very clear that I think this whole process is crazy. And they think they seem to think less about their individual child and like what their child is saying to them and more like this process is nuts and I just want it to be on record that I, I think, think it's nuts. I think this is batshit yeah. crazy, yeah. Uh and so then they say goodbye and this is when Jasmine says that she just wants to hug Mikel and smooch his face all the time. Who doesn't? They have a real cute goodbye. Those two, those two gots to end up. To, those, I'm feeling those two so hard. Part of me kind of checked out for the rest of the episode. Like, I obviously <laughs> yeah. watched it. Um, and maybe I was just the happiest because we had our Thai food during the first part of the episode. And so I was just like, maybe my endorphins were, you know how I get. Mm-hmm. I have, I have, um, food defensiveness, like a dog. Um, <laughs> and so when the food was gone, I was very sad, but also like, I want Mikkel to win this so bad. That I don't, I didn't, I wasn't as invested in the rest of the episode, I don't think. There is like, there is no part of Mikkel that feels false to me. Yeah. Like, nothing seems calculated. At no point do I think, oh, this is just how he gets women. He's just a sweet boy. He's just a good But good he's also a dangerous boy. leather daddy on that beautiful <laughs> hog just tearing up asphalt. Just like... Getting chased by cops, but getting away with it on his fast ride. <laughs> the only thing I worry about with Mikkel. Is loving him too much. <laughs> is that there's no mystery there. Isn't there, though? I guess the motorcycle He's had a helpful. fucking motorcycle. He's yeah. a leather daddy. We didn't know this an hour and a half ago. That's true. I just know some ladies like to feel like, you know, their their man is 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 a person they can keep unwrapping their whole life. You I know? just un- I just bit into the familiar uh bar of of Mikkel and I was like, mm, mm, okay, mm, uh peanuts, nougat. What's this? A fucking motorcycle? What? <laughs> it's weird that you kind of abandoned your metaphor right there. I didn't. I didn't. Inside <laughs> oh, so of the, it's a candy there's bar a fucking motorcycle with a motorcycle in, in it. Yeah. Anyway, let's get let's get going. I I wanted to put in that like disclaimer because I don't I feel like I don't remember uh, that much about Mike except for his amazing champagne accident. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike and Jasmine meet in Winnipeg in a park. Uh, Jasmine has been to Winnipeg hundreds of times, but she has never been to this park. Do you uh- want to take a stab at the name of this park? Asinopia? As, Asinopoeia? Asinopoeia. What was it? 
a Cinnaboyne. Okay, that's pretty good. The way I remembered it, so I wrote it down, but I also remember it, it kind of sounds like Cinnabon. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I wanted to point out, somebody in the Rose Buddies group said all that they know, I, I saw this comment pop up, all that they know about Winnipeg comes from the Weaker Than song, One Great City, which is uh, has the chorus, and the chorus is just, I hate Winnipeg, over and over again. <laughs> uh, and that made me so happy. I wish I knew who that, that person was, but like if we gave out points, I would give them 15 points for that reference. Well done. Wow, okay. Weaker Than's is probably like my main Canadian cultural touchstone. And I'm surprised that they're not referenced in every episode. I guess they're not that big up there. It's mostly like... um Well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot standing in line ahead of that band. I don't think so. They're the best one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Okay. A lot of people are, like, tragically hip. And I get that. They're certainly, certainly up there. Probably number two. Well, I guess I'll have to tell Bare Naked Ladies that you said that. Bare Naked Ladies, like, they're good. They're definitely top ten. Are they top ten? There's probably a Canadian person who's, like, very upset that I just said that. This date in ass in ass town ass town. <laughs> Griffin. As, it was a beautiful park in the Cinnabon. A Cinnabon, yeah. There you go. But that makes it sound like they went to fucking Cinnabon for their date, <laughs> which might be good. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad if you brought me there on a date. Bud, you forgot his fucking approach. I the- haven't gotten there yet. Okay. I've got it written okay, down. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. We've just been talking about Cinnabon for a while now. Well, I'm hungry now and horny. <laughs> It's Cinnabon. You know how it does me. No, I don't think I did. Just that. It looks like a, it looks like a, like a. No. It looks like a big motel bed. It looks like, it looks like a big, a Cinnabon just looks like a big dirty mattress. (laughs) This week's episode, unfortunately (laughs) sponsored by Cinnabon. Sorry, Cinnabon. Sorry, Cinnabon. (laughs) But it just looks like a big, tasty, dirty mattress. Uh, so Mike meets her on a bridge, comes up carrying two piping hot cups of McCafe. And he does a lot of shtick, and you know how I feel about this. Um, it's been light the past couple episodes, fortunately. He does like a little heel click. There's a little heel click. He does a little, he does a dance. He does a heel click and he does that same dance again. And it's like, I, I was hard for me to be mad at him because they made him walk across a whole fucking bridge while filming him. He probably had a good, like, minute and a half of pacing to do, and he felt like the producers were glaring at him, like, do something, Mike. Whoa. Are you drunk right now? No, I'm holding my notebook with one hand. Like a pizza pie. Yeah, and it slipped. Um, Mike, it's not your fault. I'm going to let you have a shtick pass on this one. I wonder... As far as the McCafes go. Yeah, they are a sponsor. They are listed in the ending slate of the show. How did they decide Mike got to be the, the McCafe boy? That's the yeah. that's a good question. That's a good question. Do you think all three of them were approached and they're like, nah. No, nah, I don't want to touch that stuff. And Mike was like, all right. All right, I'll do it. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Maybe... The- I mean, at this point, it's been in so many episodes. It could be like a like a sentimental thing. Like, hey, Jasmine, I know you like this. Remember when we had it's, that moment? It's our drink. Shit. <laughs> it's not that M- McDonald's coffee isn't that bad. I've had worse coffee. Um, I've certainly had worse coffee. Um, it's not. It's not my favorite. It's just a lot. Of, it's just like a lot. It's like hot caramel. It's like drinking a beaker of hot caramel. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's like drinking a beaker of hot caramel. It's like an early and eating a dirty hotel mattress. That's my fucking ideal breakfast, though. Yeah, 
I know that about you. I get my cop, my McCafe at McDonald's, and I get my dirty mattress <laughs> at Cinnabon. And they say, do you want coffee with that? And I say, no, thanks. I'm covered. And I sh- shake the McCafe at them violently until they get, they get a little bit on them. What happens on their fucking date, though? Uh, so they go sit under a pretty tree. And it is a nice is, tree. This is where Mike has his champagne oopsie. This dude pops a cork, and he is so obsessed with where the cork is going. You got you to keep your head on a swivel when you're popping a cork. Because um, he pops it, and the foam just like, bleh, just like, just like jizzes out all over his leg. Oh. I know. But there's no better verb to describe the way that this foam just like. Splooge. It just, that's worse, baby. You know it is. <laughs> it just like covers his whole calf. Yeah. And it's, it was so funny. Cause like popping a champagne bottle, I don't know. There's so much pressure that comes with popping a champagne no, bottle. No, that's true. And I'm not, that was not. A joke. It was not a pun. Maybe it was. <laughs> but there's so much pressure that comes with popping a champagne bottle. No, because it's bottle. a show. Well, yeah, you gotta look fucking cool while you do it. And so to fail, to get a lot of, a considerable amount of champagne on your calf and your shoes is very funny to me. I laughed very hard. And it was, I mean, there's also probably some like. It's that Mr. Bean humor you love so much. It's that Mr. Bean humor, but it's also like on a TV show about establishing your romantic dominance. To have this, like, um, for lack of a better term, like, flaccid prop comedy was this emasculating, uh, uh, visual gag was, like, so tasty to me. So rich. Yeah, like we Cinnabon watched it mattress. a couple times. It's good stuff. Go, if you missed it, go back and watch it. It's good. Kevin doesn't do so great a job with the champagne either, but, um, this was, this was tops. Uh, so Jasmine asks, what Mike sees as their future together in Winnipeg. And he says that they could go camping or they could go to the lake. Um, and that's, those are kind of the things that he suggests. Um, and then she asks how he feels about her. And he really doesn't do well. Here's the thing. Wait, let me read you the direct quote of what Please, he says. Yes. He says, I like you a lot. I think you're very cool. And you're someone I can see myself falling in love with. I I can see myself. I can see myself falling. That's three deflect. That's so many deflect. Like, well, first, I I take issue with the first two sentences. You're very cool. I like you a lot. I think you're very cool. It's at I, I like I like Mike a lot. I think I think he's do you, been. Do you think he's very cool? I think he's very cool, and I can see myself falling in love with him. It's it's. It, I feel like the last few episodes he's kind of been flagging a bit. I know he started out so strong. Started out really strong, and this happens sometimes. And he had so many highlights. I was thinking about um when he was not performing especially well this episode i was thinking about when he first showed her her his 10 pack and her reaction to that and how fucking great that scene was how uplifting and empowering that scene was uh but there haven't been that many there's haven't been that many moments like that and we're in we're in fucking final three is like this is game time i think the thing is that mike has been consistent one might even say stable as jasmine likes to 
Uh, but he's not going anywhere. That's the thing. His this was his first like time speaking at his first endorsement of Jasmine, and it was lukewarm. And Jasmine for the, this episode and the last couple episodes, whenever she talks about Mike, it is just I just like that he's so stable and somebody I can just really come home to. Which and there's nothing wrong with that, but if it's the only thing you yeah. say about the person, like I don't think either of these people are really into it. Yeah, the way that she talks about him is always like it would be nice to be that woman in his life. You know, like objectively she sees the value in having a partner like Mike. Uh and that's about as passionate about as she as, can get. Yeah. Like she never talks about being hugely excited to see him or feeling a lot of chemistry. She just wants a big rock. Yeah. She wants a rock to wind a string around, as they might be giants might say. Yeah. She just wants a she just wants a pair of sweatpants that she can rely on. <laughs> Um, and then, and but this is, I, we say all that shit, but like, Mike is also, I think, a very funny dude. No, with- yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He's not like, I don't know that he's nearly as bland as, as he's getting sold in no, this show. But I think if that's like the only thing that your romantic partner talks about, then like, it's not, it just ain't, it just ain't right. Yeah. It's one of those seasons where if he watched it back and watched Mikkel and Kevin's relationship with her, he would be like, Oh, this was so dangerous. Cause what you're saying is true. If I was Mike, I would think like, we're really hitting it off. You watch the other two. Fuck. If I was Kevin and I watched Mikkel's footage, I'd be like, Whoa, dog. I know. I know. Cause I, I thought we were like, thought it was meant to be. They have to know, though, because she always says Mikkel's name first at the rose ceremonies. He is the blaze of this season. Yeah. <laughs> to use Burning Love uh, season two metaphor. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is your, by the way, bi-monthly PSA to go watch Burning Love. If you like this podcast, you are going to like it. Oh, it's such a treat. Show. It's such a treat. Uh, so Mike is trying to set Jasmine up for meeting his dad, who he thinks is is very straight-laced and even more... Uh, guarded than he is and that Jasmine's quote free spiritedness uh, might be in stark contrast to his kind of rigid approach to things. So she's kind of preparing herself for that. And then when they go to meet, so it's Mike's dad and his dad's girlfriend, uh, Mike's brother and his wife, and his wife, Amanda, Amanda and his best friend who this fucking do a lot of look. He looks like, and I'm going to get coarse here for a second, Uh-oh. but he looks like he uploads YouTube tutorials about cunnilingus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he's just got, he's got, um, he's got this, he's, he, he and he was a very, very... <laughs> It's a mean assessment of his look because he looks like a very sweet dude. So let me describe. Let me. De- when you wear a backwards baseball cap with sunglasses over it, I have to. Even if you're the sweetest dude in the world, and this guy was a very sweet dude and a very good friend of Mike, I can't. I can't not say something about. Let it. me. Let me describe his look. Okay, please. So, and keep in mind that um, apparently everybody associated with this whole universe listens to our podcast and tread lightly. <laughs> 
Oh no, I'm not gonna I'm I'm it's gonna be completely factual. He has shoulder length brown, very curly hair. Um can't tell how thick it is on top because he is wearing that backwards baseball hat that's like a snap. I bet it's thick as fuck. I bet it's luscious. You've gotta let me finish this description. Yes. It only works if I can say the whole thing at once. Please let it rip. Okay. So you can't tell how thick it is up top because he's wearing a um a baseball hat, like a like a snapback hat with sunglasses on top. He's got a goatee. Yes. He's got both his ears pierced. Loving that. He seems to have some bracelets on. Oh, I didn't see that. I didn't pay attention. Yeah. No, I, it, this show has made me so numb to men's wrist accessories. I don't even remember the clothes he's wearing, though, honestly. Just the hat. Just this. The, the aesthetic is so... What's great is that he's like... Mike is like, this is my best friend. And it's like, really? Because y'all look the opposite. Y'all look like I the opposite. I was kind of hoping man. it would be like a novelty hat that he removed and all the hair was attached to it. Oh. And so it'd be like a fun thing where he would take the hat off and all the hair would come with it. And then he would have like a normal Mike haircut underneath. But Well, that- we're saying that Mike's hair is normal. What if Mike's hair is weird and this dude's hair is normal and You powerful? think in Winnipeg, everybody looks like that? Because here's the thing about this dude. He also pulled it. Pulled it off. He made it work. <laughs> he made it happen. He's probably one of those people that knows that people look at his whole look and he's like, I don't give a shit. There's something admirable about that. I mean, he seems like that was the like the thing I think that was delightful about him besides his appearance was that at no point did he do anything especially wacky? He just no. looked, he just looked a little wacky. That's the thing. And he like laid down some good advice for his friend he there did. at the end. He did, but I gotta know that story, man. I want to well, know more about him. Go to youtube.com slash boxblaster11. Oh, God, Griffin. That's his URL. You want me to not, you want me to lie about his URL? How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? Because he said it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like you were. I recognized him. oh god um let's talk more about mike and not about box blaster 11 though okay uh so mike's dad is way less rigid than mike presented him as so much so that when jasmine talks a bit about herself and then mentions that she's a hairstylist and mike uh, says that his that Mike's um uh, late mother was a hairstylist. Nope, nope. Mike's dad's mom was yes. a hairstylist. Uh, Mike's dad says, uh, "Well, maybe I should be dating you." Yeah. Oops. Uh oh. <laughs> Which must have been fun for the girlfriend he had sitting next to him. Must have been fun for every person within a he one also, mile radius. Mike's dad also said that he spent a lot of summers in Kenora, where Jasmine's from. Yes. So they kind of hit it off right away. Uh, and, and the dad seems very open to the relationship and kind of talks about how Mike should, you know, really open his heart and, and play the odds with this opportunity. Um, and Mike's friend kind of says the same, like you have to, you have to take risks here. Yeah. Um, but Mike is, is just saying, you know, I don't think it's been enough time. It just kind of seems like everybody's on board, except Mike is like nervous and kind of withholding. And Jasmine leaves the date feeling like she doesn't really know how he feels. Right. Like this is as good a reception as you could hope for as a contestant on this show. And he didn't seem that psyched about it. 
Yeah. He Well, at first he was like, I want to see how my family reacts before I commit to it. And then it felt like, well, he didn't have that excuse anymore because they were on board. And then it was just about Mike, you know, not being ready. Yep. Um, it's too bad, but what can you do? Yeah. So final date, Kevin in Waterloo, Ontario. Kevin, I guess, currently lives in Toronto, but he comes home to Waterloo once a week for dinner. Or else his mom will freak the fuck out. <laughs> so this is when hometowns became what we know and love about hometowns. This is good, dude. I, how unexpected. I, I liked Mikkel's family. They're very sweet. And I liked uh, that uh, Mike's family was unexpectedly into it. This is why we bachelor, though. This is Kevin's Kevin's mom and Kevin's what was that sister in law or was that his sister bi- his, bi- his bio sis like fuck this is this is why we do it folks so it was Kevin's mom Kevin's sister Kevin's dad oh no 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 it wasn't you it, right. it was his sister in law it yeah. was his sister in law it was his brother's wife and uh, his niece um, but first they go drive around his hometown yeah. And they go have champagne on a football field. He counts out how many yards he blasts a champagne cork. And he spills a little bit on the ground. None, I don't think any hits his bod. But just saying. Pay, keep your head on a fucking swivel. I'm blown away when people... Everybody knows. You cover the top of the bottle with like a rag. And you pop it like that. And then you just don't... No fuss, no must. You don't have to fucking worry about it. When I see somebody do it like the... They just hold the cork exposed and they like push it with their thumbs. I'm like, you're going to hurt somebody. <laughs> well, it adds to the, the dramatic presentation. How many people do you think die from champagne corks every year? I You think that you're going to find that on the internet? You can find anything on internet. Okay, well, he's looking it up now. Um, I mean, Give me a number. I guess I'll say 13. Believe it. How many did you say? 13. Believe it or not. Champagne corks kill almost 24 people each year. Keep your, keep your fucking head on a swivel. What is your source? This radio station. (laughs) Okay. Wait, let's, that doesn't seem accurate. I can understand injuring yourself, getting like a little bruise. Maybe, maybe. Okay, no, I think this this shock jock radio show was selling me a line. Champagne IO9 has a scientific breakdown of it. And that most corks come out of bottles at about 24.8 miles per hour, which isn't especially, it's not a deadly trajectory. For comparison, a bullet goes between 600 to 1100 miles per hour. So even at 60 miles an hour, a bullet would have a tough time killing a person. Okay, so maybe, maybe, but still, eyes, that hits you in the eye, that's bad. That'll hurt. That'll ruin your, that'll ruin your Friday night. I'm just saying, please pay attention. I'm saying this to you, Rachel. If you're at a party without me, and it looks like somebody's about to pop off a champagne bottle and they don't have a rag covering it, leave. <laughs> just leave the party. Leave the fucking party. It's a dangerous it's not environment. Worth it. Yeah. It'll hit you in the nose or your eye. Yeah. Or what if you have your mouth open because you're laughing at a good joke somebody said and you. <gasps> but Griffin, you won't be there, so I won't be laughing at anything. That's a good point because we have rules. <laughs> That's right. Yes, laugh for me, my angel of music. Okay. Yes. Okay. Laugh for me, my angel of goofs. <laughs> There's the laugh I need. This has been kind of a weird episode. 
Yeah, I'm turning into the fucking phantom of the of the improv over here. <laughs> uh, so while they're on the football field, this is when Kevin uh, kind of opens up a little bit more. This was a good scene for Kevin. Yeah, so Kevin talks about how while he was kind of a popular kid growing up, he never really liked himself and never really felt like he was good enough. And he kind of would end every day feeling like he didn't do enough. That was and, a, I I didn't expect Kevin to ever say anything that kind of resonated with me, but this idea of like I could have done more today, I do that now. Like I still do that. Um, and so for this was the first like vulnerable time we got with Kevin. Yeah, where I was like, obviously he's like told the story about his brother and um some of his his military stories, but this was the first thing he said. I was like, oh okay, I get that. I mean, you look like Taylor Kish. I didn't think you had days like that, but that's that's good to hear. Yeah, and uh, and Jasmine really appreciates him opening up. And then he says, you know, the one of the times he felt really accomplished was the day that he got this war medal that he like carries around with him. And sometimes he'll just kind of look at it and and feel pride in himself for what he's accomplished. But that ever since he's been with Jasmine, he kind of feels that way um, without needing that reminder. And so he gives her the medal. And we don't ever get to see it up close we for don't some get reason. To see it, which was str- strange. It was a little strange. I thought we'd get a little zoom in. We did. I'm not, not saying it was fake or whatever. Um, I'm just saying it was kind of a weird uh, choice. But uh, this was so sweet, and I was so into it. And it was I, I, my Kevin got so many Kevin points in my yeah, book. Yeah, suddenly I, I could kind of understand why. Yeah, why Kevin? Because in the past couple episodes, like Kevin has been doing so well. And I don't dislike Kevin, um, but I haven't really gotten like why he is such a front runner until now. Like, yeah, that's a really, that's a sweet, very open story, Kevin. I mean, I will say that Mikkel delivers this kind of heat every week. But you talked about like holding it back, holding it back, holding it back. Nobody's held it back as much as Kevin, except for the other Kevin who held it back too much. Yeah. And then got dumped on the rock. Yeah. Not Kevin W? Which Kevin are we still with? Kevin W is the one we're still with. Yes, good. Um, yeah, this was like a, I am coming around. I, it kind of reminds me of JoJo. Like I came, I was a very late member of Team JoJo in the Axeman season. Maybe that's going to happen. Yeah, me here. too. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah, it's not like, I mean, still 100% Mikel. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. But I get Kevin. But it's not one of those situations. I kind of got spoiled on the end of the episode. Well, let's wait. We'll get to it in time. Um, I'm not, a, I would not be as like incensed if Kevin won, um, is what I'm saying. Uh, so the other thing Kevin does is that he says that he has fallen in love with her, uh, and that he's blown away by her and that. Say it to his, to her face now? Yeah. Okay. I know she, he said it to her face. I didn't remember when in the episode. Yeah. Uh, and, and that he feels like the risk, uh, of telling her this is worth the reward. Um, and that was an also kind of a surprise. Yeah. You know, just putting it out there. Yeah. Uh, and so they're driving back to his house and he lets her know that he has not brought a lady home in six years. While he's driving, he's like, by the way, if we end up together, we're going to have to do this every, every week or my mom will lose her shit. Um, he explains that his mom is like the leader of the family and basically sets her up like, my mom is going to rake you over the fucking coals. Well, he doesn't 
he doesn't say quite that much. I mean, there is a suggestion that if it's... you have to warn somebody at hometowns about <laughs> yeah. a member of your family, yeah, it doesn't. It, it, it might, just to give you a heads up, my mom might be a little bit okay. So she's gonna like execute me, is what you're saying. So they all sit down when they get there for about two and a half seconds. Uh, yeah, in the first minute, uh, Kevin's mom remarks upon how attractive Jasmine is, and says. I'm surprised that such a beautiful girl would take this route. <laughs> so fucking good. Like a decadent Cinnabon role. Like so fucking to start out with that. Cause there, it, there is no response to that. You no. are shut down. Oh, you're so attractive. It's weird that you'd have to find love on television. <laughs> I know. Wow. And then when Jasmine kind of stumbles around for a while trying to figure out how to appropriately answer that, that this is when Kevin's mom tells us, the viewer, that Jasmine's kind of a chatterbox and that listening is important, you know, and, and that she, she really seems to do a lot of the talking. Uh, Kevin also says, which is shade number two. Kevin says, you know, this relationship has really, and at that, his mom was like, oh, well, I mean, you've known no, each other you know for, what it was? you've known each other for a few weeks. What did he say? It was his dad. His dad says, you guys look like a really good couple. And that's yeah. when Kevin's mom is like, what are you talking about? They've known each other for a few weeks. They're not a couple. Yeah. And so Jasmine starts saying, well, this process is kind of weird in that you kind of start out learning a lot about somebody and learning all the really deepest parts of somebody. And then you kind of work backwards from there. And so his mom, without missing a beat, starts to quiz her like, Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us one of the deepest parts of Kevin? Uh, and Jasmine throws <laughs> her hat over the fence. He's like, Well, your son got stabbed, your other one. And she's like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Almost like that was some sort of like password. Like, well, we don't tell that to anybody in this. So that's, that is a big leap. Yeah. It just, oh, it was so uncomfortable. It was really uncomfortable. But at the same time, like, I was so into it because I feel like everything this, we talked about like parents having to play this role of the over-concerned parent. I genuinely believed that everything Kevin's mom was saying was coming from a place of all-consuming worry. Yeah, for sure. And it, but it was so fucking real. Like, you can't, this is a, this is all a joke, right? This is my son. This is a goof, right? I will say though, that it wasn't just worry. It was like, I control this Possessive, situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she literally says, I'm looking for the woman that's going to replace me, which is like, woo. Yeah, I hated that. I hated that so That's much. Bad news bears. I will say, maybe Griffin and I are kind of spoiled, but like neither of us comes from a family where this is the kind of behavior that you bring to the table. You don't, you don't even know. Like, I don't feel like my family or your family felt the need to challenge. That's because you're a winner. I brought <laughs> you around the family's like, yes. <laughs> Bring around, I bring around a stinker, and they just like. Well, are you saying Jasmine's a stinker? No, but if the family, if the if Kev's family thinks that, I don't actually think. I think the lens of this show fucks us up sometimes because we watch these other two families. They're like, "Yeah, marry my boy. Yeah, please, <laughs> ma please marry my boy." Yeah, and then being like, 
You've known each other for 21 days. Chill the fuck out. Eric Taylor would do that shit on Friday Night Lights, and he did to Matt Saracen, who is his QB1. But you yeah. don't think less of him. It's just yeah. like, a, you got to protect your shit. You haven't known each other that long. Calm down. Yeah, I, I get that. I just, these are like adult, adults, you know, like. I don't, if, if when our, when our child is, is 25 years old and he's like, I brought a girlfriend. I've known her for three weeks and, or, or, a, or boyfriend. a boyfriend. I, this is my partner. I've known them for three weeks and I think they're going to ask me to marry them next week. I would be like, Hey, yo, fuck that dog. No. That's so soon. That's very fast and very quick. And for some people, like, for some folks on this show, that's a real roadblock. Cause the, the math of that is crazy. It is. I just think there's a, there's a constructive way to have that conversation where you Maybe, don't- but you can't expect that of everybody. And also, I don't think there's a constructive way to have that conversation because I feel like every other family on this show just doesn't have it. Oh, it's, it's, it's May 22nd. You met them May 1st and you want to get engaged on May 28th. Yeah, sure. Fucking go for it. That's insane. That's nuts. Yeah. I'm always willing to cut family slack in hometowns because I believe, I have to believe that for the ones where it breaks bad, not JoJo's brothers, they were just angry. But for the families where it breaks bad, it's like, this is a crazy proposition. And we forget that sometimes when we talk about it, but it's a crazy, in, le- in less than a span of six weeks, I'm going to go from not knowing. I don't fault, I don't fault families for their skepticism. I do fault them for behaving as if they can't trust their own child to, to think of their own best interests. Yeah, sure. Which is, which is all I'm saying. Like, it's, it's like what I, I was saying earlier when I was saying that parents will sometimes forget what they know about their own kid yeah and just make it clear that they are opposed to the very nature of this show and as soon as kevin steps up to his mom she kind of like backs down no that's true that's true so anyway so let's yeah let's get to that so um so his brother's wife um also kind of throws some shade and and says you know so, so how many are left? And Jasmine's like, oh, well, Kevin's one of three. And she's like, well, do you feel romantic with all three? Jesus. And Jasmine's like, well, I mean, I guess like in different, in different ways, I do. Um, again, another no question good that answer. there's no good answer yeah. for. Um, so this is when the mom and, um, the brother's wife pull Jasmine away and, this is when the mom throws probably the worst shade of the whole episode. Cause she's talking about how Kevin's job is so demanding. Oh man, this was brutal. This was so savage. So Kevin is, is a firefighter, correct? I think firefighter paramedic maybe? Or is well, that Mike? Is that Mike? I don't know. I, I don't think know. Kevin is ex Navy firefighter. Okay. And Mike is firefighter paramedic. Um, but talks about how Kevin, you know, seems really tough, but is really sensitive. And he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes Kevin will call me, um, after a particularly hard day and talk for like two hours just to process what happened to him while he was out at work. And she's like, Jasmine, do you think you can sit and, and listen? Because I know you're kind of a chatterbox. Like, what if you come home really ticked off about some lady upset about her hair? 
And Kevin's upset because somebody died that day. This was unbelievable. There are so many layers of... There's like 12 <laughs> layers of shitty things you just said like, in there. So stacks upon stacks of disrespect that Jasmine, you can tell, doesn't, again, doesn't even know where to start with let's, responding. Let's try to break it down. His mom asserts that she is the only one who will ever be able to make her son feel better ever. Yes. Asserts that... um that Jasmine's a fucking chatterbox, and that's not a cute term. Yeah, that that she's not a good listener. She's not a good listener. Sometimes you have to listen, which is like, he's only known me for three weeks. That's fine. You've known me for probably 20 minutes, so you need to pump the fucking brakes, too. Uh, asserts that her job is bullshit, uh, and that it's certainly much, much, much less important than her son's job. And that it's her job as a wife to put his... To put his needs in, ahead yeah. of hers, but also to assert that, like... Rachel, if you came home from work tomorrow and like I had had a bad day of dealing with somebody mean on the internet and you were like, oh, well, somebody died at my job today. I would be like, <laughs> holy shit, what? Like, of course, that would be your reaction. And to assert that that would not be hurt. Well, someone died. Well, let me tell you about this bad ombre I gave somebody. <laughs> That's how it's pronounced. I spent some time in France, France, giving people ombre. Then what is that? Ombre. Yeah, I just want you to describe it. For where me. the hair goes from one color to the other color. Don't try to step to me on this. <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure. No, you weren't making sure. You're trying to good. quiz me. You're trying. Who wants to be a millionaire? Me. That's a very good definition. Okay. Um, I just you don't typically ombre somebody. It's like a style of hair that you wouldn't like. Hmm. Use are it. You, hey, are you sure about that? You wouldn't use it as a verb. Uh, are you sure about that? You sure you wouldn't? How much ombre have you done to I, folks? My hair is, is very short. Yeah, I could so. ombre you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? Uh, I want my hair to be one color and then to turn into another color. Which two? Tell me now. Um, I want it to start out like a Cinnabon and go into a McCafe. So tan into a slightly lighter tan. Okay, I can do this. <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, yes, this is this is so yes. This that is was, one of the most brutal. That was rough. That's what I'm saying. Like, be skeptical all you want, but like, be you respectful. don't have to be shitty about yeah, it. Yeah, that was rough. Um, and so the mom goes on to say that she's always been Kevin's connection. Okay. okay, uh, okay. And the fact that this all could result in an engagement kind of blows her mind and that she's near near tears thinking about it um because how could somebody understand and love her son in a few weeks uh and if a woman is going to take her place and she says this to camera she doesn't say this to jasmine thank and god because there would have been a fuck i hope there would be a jasmine shaped hole in the wall she would miss the door by a, a good eight feet and just like kool-aid man it out the fuck there there's there's so much that is frustrating to me about that phrasing of like a woman is going to take my place. It's like it's like 1943 <laughs> and this man doesn't know how to do his own laundry and she is saying it says somebody is going a- to take over my duties and I will have no purpose anymore. It's one of those like such like very efficient sentences that is bad for all three parties involved in the statement. 
Like it sounds bad. Yeah, for no, her to nobody say. wins with that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then she just sits down with Kevin outside, and she talks about how she has reservations about the process. And she's like, you know, well, if if you're gonna cry, then I'm gonna cry, and and you know, we're we're so similar. Um, and she's like, I just really want to know how you feel. And he's like, well, I've never felt this way before. And it really feels like love at first sight. And that's when she kind of flips a little bit and says, well, well, if that's, if that's really true, then I'm just, I, you know, I believe in that and I'm so happy for you. But if in a couple of weeks we're crying together, I'm going to be upset. Okay. So Jasmine leaves that encounter and she tells us, you know, the family was not warm. She's not sure she can handle being a part of this family and i do not blame her no god that was rough it was a rough hometown now i would say it's top five yeah I think in terms so. of like not getting just accepted into the fold yeah i mean i so so we love jasmine we think jasmine's great yeah we think everybody should like her because she seems very honest um and and very just comfortable in who she is and it seems like anybody could pick that up right away. Yeah. So it was just is surprising, I guess, for to see someone be so tough on her. Yeah. I, I mean, it's also surprising because I would say like 90% of the time, the families are just like, yeah, okay, we'll play along. And so it is especially striking when, what's, what's your favorite hometown family of all time? I have two. Oh, Chris Souls. Chris Souls. Is the you remember? One. Or was that Sean? No, that was Chris. That was Chris. Um, yes, that was my number one. Yeah. Who is it that goes to his hometown? Uh, Dez? I think it was Dez. Was it? Or Andy. Andy. It was definitely Andy. Yeah. Um, And they they all hang out and they play Ghosts in the Graveyard out on this farmland and his family just seems like super, super great. So, so good. I also really liked Chris's family on Dez's season, uh, where his dad is the chiropractor and gave them oh. chiropractic, <laughs> chiropractic treatments, which involved like putting a big balloon up his nose and like yanking the snot out of his son on television. Yeah. Mm, so close. And then of course, Luke's dad recently was great. Luke's dad. Luke's sweet dad. Oh, Luke's sweet dad. Yeah. You made me think about Luke's sweet dad. No. Now I'm sad. I'm oh, sorry. Love that dad. <laughs> Can we get to the rose ceremony? Uh, okay, so the, we're back in Vancouver for the rose ceremony, and we see everybody kind of going to the location. And then we find out Mike has decided that he's going to go to Jasmine's hotel and let her know how he feels about her, because he recognizes that he didn't really make that clear when they were in his hometown. No, he did a bad job. So he goes to her room. Uh, and she is already dressed for the rose ceremony. And he says, you know, when you met my family and your time in my hometown made it clear to me that I'm falling in love with you. And she tells us, the viewer, that she's grateful. And she tells him thanks and goodbye. And that's, that was it. That's it. Um, so then it's rose ceremony time. And Noah comes out, says, you know, the next, the next week you're going to get to meet Jazz's family and you're going to spend more time with her than ever before, which in America we would call the fantasy suite and overnights. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But that's what they're, yeah, you're going to mm. just get to spend more time with her than ever before. Mm. Just overnight. 
And then Mike's friend popped up. He's like, I'd teach you a few tricks. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be nervous, boys. I'll be right there in the room with you. (laughs) Drew out these diagrams. Just follow him. Here's a peach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, Griffin. I could eat a peach for hours. Face off. That was a face off. Face off, yeah. I could eat a peach for hours. Such an upsetting movie. What happens next? Okay. Uh, so Mikkel gets to Rose first. Not surprising. And then it's down to Kevin and Mike. And she picks Kevin. So I follow the Rose Buddies hashtag on Twitter, um, which there's a Minecraft server that a lot of people tweet about using that hashtag. What's up? What's up, Rose Buddies? Uh, other alternate universe Rose Buddies. Uh, but I kind of felt like Kevin maybe was going to stay because like six people all tweeted at the same time. And that hashtag Kevin. But like, uh, honestly, watching the episode, like, you know, Mike's going home. Yeah. You got to know Mike's going the home. The way she talks about Mike is not. And the way she talks about Kevin and like Kevin's Kevin's yeah. doing good. Yeah. Uh, so Mike goes and she tells him, you know. I could very much see a future with you. And when I met your family, that was very clear to me. But things have just always kind of happened late for us. And he seems very understanding about it. Uh, and then things get okay. weird. Here's that fucking dumb ending that I talked about. Just like out of nowhere, Mikel's doing a behind the scenes interview. And he's like, you know, I'm just, I know I should be happy, but I'm so sad because like this always happens to me and I always get hurt. Yeah, she's going to let me down. She's going to let me down because I always get let down. And so, and then he's standing up and then you hear his voice say like, maybe I should just go. I should just leave. And then he's standing there and she comes up and she's like, what's wrong? Are you upset? And he's like, I just, I just, and then that's it. And then the, and then over the credits, we just watch a limo drive away to sad music. There's no fun bloopers. And it's like, guys, we have watched so much of this fucking show. This is some this is some American Bachelor Bush League bullshit. It was it was weird because it was missing so much connective tissue. Like they don't show him walking down the stairs. They don't show him getting in a car. They don't it's literally Mike getting in his cab, like, well, you know, I'm just really upset. And then cu- hard cut to Mikkel, like having a fucking conniption. And it's not, it's, they don't explain it. It's such, it's coming out of fucking, okay, so Mikkel leaves. What's the last fucking episode of this television show then? Well, I didn't even, I wasn't even sure that's what they were trying to communicate at first. Because I saw this like far away helicopter footage of a limo driving. And I was like, is that Mike? Are we following Mike Mike in the limo? Or are we, are you trying to trick us? Because like the last 45 seconds of this episode was Mikkel saying he was going to leave the show. It was such a, it was such a just a bad treatment man i mean all i can think because you know how in the american bachelor and bachelorette they always have to cast a little doubt even if it's like a very very clear front runner they still have to find a way to try and make you think i don't think mikhail is a a clear front runner maybe they're worried that that he seems that way though if he is then there's other ways to do it this is this was this was (laughs) brute force dumb (laughs) Because I'm watching that thinking, like, there's another episode of this television. There's another 66 minutes of this television show. And if it starts with Mikkel going home after this rose ceremony, you tell me what the other 66, the other 65 and a half minutes are. Maybe 60, maybe 58 minutes after their sad goodbye. Just her 
chasing him around Just the chasing, world. Yeah, Carmen San Diego uh-huh. style. Like, please, Mikkel, please come back to me. This is the only time, and again, still love Canadian Bachelorette. Love it so much. I've been wrestling with the fact how I want to continue watching the Canadian Bachelor and Bachelorette, even once the American versions start up again. And I don't know how to do that. I don't know how we find time with that once we have a baby to watch two international versions <laughs> yeah. of the same fucking show. Yeah, This no. was the first time where this show has like openly insulted me, Griffin <laughs> McElroy, the viewer. Because even if I hadn't watched the show before, it would still be insulting. But I've watched so much of this shit. I know how it works. You can't end your episode like, what if the front runner just leaves? And that's literally the whole setup. What if he's just gone? He's not going to be gone. <laughs> I guess I, I, I didn't feel quite as angry about it as you did. It's the first, it was a betrayal, if anything. Because <laughs> the, the show has been so, it's been so nurturing compared to the American version, which in the last two seasons has been like, no, that's hateful true. Hateful towards its audience, if anything. That's true. Not counting Bachelor in Paradise. So we talked about that watching Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise is a love letter, aside from the rocky opening of this last season. It is a love letter to the fans of the show while the main series catalog is becoming like, you like this? Fuck you. This is the only time in the Canadian Bachelorette where it has kind of been like, <laughs> idiot. What if he just leaves, dummy? Are you afraid, <laughs> stupid? <laughs> Maybe this is an example where we should be watching the after show because I bet that they would they would make us feel better about what. This is an example why we should be hosting the after show. Oh, Griffin! I would just be like, no, come on, (laughs) stop it! And then you'd like inter splice footage of you leaving the set, and then just random footage of of a tank going down the street (laughs) and suggesting that you left a tank. We could be you and me could be the Chris Hardwick of Canadian dating shows. Just like we are always like extended universe, just unpacking it. I mean, we're doing that here. We don't need to. We don't need to have a, a television show on the W Network for that. You don't think we're too edgy, though? We're pretty edgy. I don't know if you could get a- away with your uh... Con- conlingus instructor <laughs> yeah. persona that I adopted yeah. it for a bit. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, probably not. There's nothing. Gr- there's nothing weird about that, you know. It's, it's a service it provides to certain subscribers to box box blaster 11 was that it i, think I it can't was. remember it was don't worry about it or was it blaster that's what i said box blaster 11 oh or i say box buster that's not like you said buster box buster it's <laughs> blockbuster blockbuster video 11 yeah that was it that was actually it shit <laughs> uh thank you all for listening to rose buddies We'll be back next week. Oh, we didn't go to the P.O. Box. Oh, shit. Oh, well. We did forget to go to the P.O. Box. We apologize. I hope nobody sent us, like, truffles or something, because that'll be goo. Uh, we got a really good ro- uh, Facebook group. It's it's the best Facebook group in the whole internet. It's the best Facebook group. Uh, it's just Rose Buddies. Go join it. If you listen to this and, you, and you're not in the Facebook group, it is like you are missing the, like, ancillary material that like explains the rest of the work. You oh, have hey, to be and, and you guys, if you haven't reviewed us on iTunes, please do. Hey, that would be cool of you. And no pressure. Like, I know that's a lot to ask. I don't think I've ever reviewed anything on iTunes, so I get it. But like, it does help us out in a big way. So, um, yeah. we appreciate it. Uh, anything else, babe? I don't know what the next episode is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be men tell all or if it's going to be the finale. I do not know. I don't know. I do, from what I have heard in our Facebook group, it is not men tell all. It is like part one of the finale. Oh no! Don't stretch it out. There's just two boys. 
Just pick one of the boys. I'll pick one right now. Mikkel. Done. <laughs> Mikkel. You know, Mikkel is in the Facebook group. Mikkel. Okay. I don't want to put anybody on blast. He is a silent participant. There's a lot of silent participants. Let me say this. Watch what you fucking say. Yeah. Be careful. You better watch out. Better not cry. Kyle, Kyle has made himself known. Yeah. Oh, you know who else is in the Facebook group? I do. Noah. Noah's in the group. Guys. You know who else is in the, in the group with Noah is Noah's lady love. So be careful what you say about Noah. Up. They dressed up. Or who, no, it was Noah's brother. His brother dressed up. That was really good. As, as Noah him. and uh, I guess Noah's brother's girlfriend dressed up as Jasmine. Yeah. It's weird that we know this. <laughs> no. It's weird that, it's not weird that like, that we've like memorized this. It's weird that that information has gotten to us and we are now saying it on the podcast. Yeah. But it's also beautiful. It's the circle of life. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of folks from the TV show in the group and we are, uh, flattered that you are all. We enjoy your community. company. Feel we free do. to leave if and you get uncomfortable. And we enjoy your television show. I know I went hard on the ending of this one, but it's only because it was straight dookie. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the show has been really good. <laughs> Hey, I'll say this. If Mikel fucking leaves with his own volition next week, I will literally get my Cincinnati Reds ball cap that I have had since 2006, and I will fucking eat it on the air. Okay. That's but it's fair. not. But it's not going to happen because I've seen a billion hours of this television show, and I know how it works. Yeah. Thank you, though. Uh, until next time, I'm Griffin McElroy. I'm Rachel McElroy. When you're ready. Final rose. Stay with us on this journey of joy. She ends up with Soldier Boy. Right,